to Everything a Season, Lutheran Reflections Through the Church Year, a weekly devotional series based on readings relevant to the current liturgical season. You can watch this series live on our YouTube page every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks for tuning in, and now on to this week's discussion. Welcome. We begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hello, everyone, and welcome to To Everything a Season, Lutheran Reflections Through the Church Year. My name is William Green, and as always, I'm joined by Pastor Brian King. Pastor, how are you tonight? I'm good. Um, still kind of trying to get my head around the fact that Easter was a few weeks ago now, and kind of living in the Easter season, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's a great time. It's a great time. It is, yeah. It, and if you're outside of the Lutheran tr- tradition, you might think of Easter as just a singular day, but we are still in the middle of the season of Easter. We have a few couple, a few more weeks to go. To go, yep, yep. Yep. And so uh, tonight we're going to be kind of continuing our Easter devotions. Uh, we're a little bit behind as far as the lectionary goes. Uh, our main text that we're going to be working off tonight is the gospel reading from the second Sunday of Easter, if you're on the one-year lectionary. But um, there's a lot to talk about there, and so what, yeah, that, I thought about be. that. We're, we're we're behind, but because we're kind of looking at some of these big events: uh, his resurrection, the descent into hell, now this appearance um, to to Thomas. So yeah, we're a bit behind, but we're we're kind of jam packed with really good things to talk about. So it's it's yeah, it is a wonderful season, and and it and the world hasn't really co opted it. Oddly, right. maybe Easter Day with Easter Bunny and chocolate and things like that. But chocolate's okay. Uh, we we can we can stick with that. But uh, it's it's kind of a holiday, and I think maybe the world doesn't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we we know what we're celebrating on Easter Sunday, but perhaps even for us Lutherans, like uh, you know, what are we celebrating for the rest of Easter? We're still celebrating the resurrection, but the focus kind of shifts from the resurrection to some of these events that happened after the resurrection. And their implications, which is the case tonight. Uh, tonight we're looking at primarily uh, the story of Thomas and uh, his requiring to see Christ's wounds in order to believe. Right. And it's interesting because th- these events after Easter are just so heavily dependent on the resurrection. Right. They grow out of the resurrection. So, right. Yeah. Should we jump to our, our, our reading? Yeah, let's do that if you don't mind. Okay. No, that's good. Uh, so we're looking at John twenty nineteen to 31. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from anyone, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, 
Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Great. Thank you very much. You're welcome. So there's a lot of things we could talk about. There's a lot here. Um, And oftentimes people use this passage to talk about uh, things like evidence for God's existence and, uh, you know, kind of the role that evidence plays in faith. And that would perhaps be a a good discussion for another time. But uh, tonight we're going to focus on the role of these tangible signs uh, in our role of our life of faith. So um, here we have a case where Thomas was told the good news and he didn't believe the other apostles. He said, I'm not going to believe unless I see it for myself. And um, that's an attitude that I think a lot of Christians and non-Christians alike kind of have when it comes to faith. You know, a lot of people say, if I could just see some tangible sign of God's existence or some tangible sign that Jesus is God, then I would believe it. And that's kind of what Thomas did here, right? It, and it so is, it's an yeah. interesting question. It is. And it is what Thomas did. But what I find fascinating is that he had watched Jesus perform miracles and listened to him teaching for three years. And then he says, I don't believe. Right. Now, is he not believing in the resurrection is he not believing in jesus you know and we really can't answer that specifically but it seems though he just didn't believe the whole thing right right no just kind of walked away from it in a way right that's a good point yeah all the apostles had witnessed years of jesus performing these miracles and attesting to his own death and resurrection but even after all this it seems that he didn't think it was actually going to happen and he wasn't no. going to believe it unless he saw it for himself. Yeah, and and he, I think it was John, John and Peter run in the, run in the tomb. I think Peter runs in first, and John steps in, and, and then he saw and believed mm-hmm. when the tomb was empty. Well, hadn't he been believing? Uh, you know, it, it. They needed something tangible to hang on to. Jesus gave them that with his bodily resurrection. Right. Now, and so I guess maybe people today they would like something similar. Right. Right. Yeah. So. Let's talk about that. So um, I've heard atheists say things like, if I just saw some tangible sign that God exists, like it, he could he could rearrange the stars and spell out like God exists or something like that, or Jesus is God. If he did something like that, then I would have no problem believing. Why is it that God doesn't do something like that for us? And how do we respond to those sorts of States. Yeah, isn't that the rich man and Lazarus? Oh, Father Abraham, just just send Lazarus to go talk to my brothers so they don't end up in this place. And, and Abraham's response is, well, they, they have Moses and the prophets. That, and if they're not going to listen to them, they wouldn't even listen if someone rose from the dead. Right. Which theologically, hold it. They've got the Old Testament scriptures. If they're not listening to that, they're not going to believe, even if someone rises from the dead, which Jesus did, which... Thinking about how God gives us faith is maybe the point of all this. Yes. He, he gives he gives his disciples these tangible signs, these visible signs. He 
you know, he raises the young man at Nain. He, he, he raises Lazarus. He, you know, all this stuff, right? And they, they need more. Yeah. Yeah. And right. And so, like I was saying, that's kind of an attitude that I think we see today among some Christians. Like we look at what happened in the Bible and we see narratives like the one we just read where Thomas asks for a tangible proof and one is provided to him by Christ. And sometimes we're jealous of that. We think, okay, well, if I ask for a tangible sign, like say I want God to perform a miracle in front of me right now, just so I can be absolutely sure that Jesus is God and that God exists. Um, we envy that sort of tangible sign sometimes. Yeah. And, and, I, and yeah. And that's why I left that verse up a little bit longer for we can get to that, you know, verse 30 and 31. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So that's why we have this book. But then to back up in verse 29, Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And and how have we believed? Through the word. Through, right. Through the word. Right. Jesus almost, he's, he doesn't give Thomas a hard time, but he doesn't necessarily give him an easy time either, does he? <laughs> right. That's Don't true. be disbelieving. Believe. Right. Right. And even though we might be tempted to be envious of the disciples who got to witness these tangible signs, in some sense, we're better off than they are. Uh, because we have to remember, uh, the apostles didn't have the full light of revelation in the scriptures that we have now. Right. So we have the benefit of having the entire council of the word of God in the Bible and that's something that these apostles wouldn't have had. So so it's easy for us to think, oh, man, if I just had the tangible sign, uh, you know, it'd be easier for me to believe. But in some sense, what we have now is is almost better than that, right? Or it should be more convincing because we, 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 we've seen the whole thing play out and they didn't have that benefit. They needed these, these we've signs. Benefited, we've benefited from what they saw and witnessed and what they touched. Right. Right. We've benefited from benefited from that. And so you have to think, okay, so here this struggling early church group and you know, we have the the day of Pentecost coming up where God sends his Holy Spirit in a special way to, you know, kind of kickstart everything. We talk about the birthday of the of the Christian church and things like that. Jesus was working hard to give them proof of his deity, but it was all new to them. Right. And, and the idea of, I mean, and how, how horrendously hurt, sad they were when Jesus dies. So it, they're in that, that sort of depressive mood of we, we've lost Jesus. Right. And, and, and on the other hand, you kind of have to relate with, with Thomas or Peter or John as they run to the tomb and as Thomas wants to see, it, it's too good to be true. Mm-hmm. That idea too, like it's, it's too much. It's too right. much. How can this be? How can this be? Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, these specific tangible signs that the apostles witnessed served a specific purpose. And that actually kind of ties into our church father reading. I know we typically do that toward the end of the broadcast, but now might be a good time to bring that in, if you don't mind. No, that's that's good. That's good. And tonight it's Cyril of Alexandria? That's correct. Yes. yes. His commentary on this section in John. 
he says. Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, Thomas, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. These words were wonderfully pertinent, and they can be a very great help to us. They demonstrate once again how much he cares for our souls, for he is good, and as scripture says, he wants everyone to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Even so, this saying may surprise us. As always, Christ had to be patient with Thomas when he said he would not believe, and with the other disciples too when they thought they were seeing a ghost. Because of his desire to convince the whole world, he most willingly showed them the marks of the nails and the wound in his side. Because he wanted those who needed such signs as a support for their faith to have no possible reason for doubt, he even took food, although he had no need for it. But when anyone accepts what he has not seen, believing on the word of his teacher, the faith by which he honors the one his teacher proclaims to him is worthy of great praise. Blessed, therefore, is everyone who believes the message of the holy apostles who, as Luke says, were eyewitnesses of Christ's actions and ministers of the word. If we desire eternal life and long for a dwelling place in heaven, we must listen to them. Right, so we get their witness about what they saw. They saw it, they touched him, they they related it. That's very well put, very well said. Right. And, and, and I... And, Go ahead. I, I love the part in the liturgy. I forget which setting it's in in the Lutheran service book, but one of the responses to the gospel, or maybe it precedes it's the gospel. Precedes reading. the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Yeah. Yeah. There's another That's, one in, in Divine One where, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Right. Oh, that's right. yeah. Because that too. that that was in response to Jesus saying, "Are you going to leave me too?" As people were leaving him, as they were disappointed that in his not being the bread king they wanted him to be. Right. Yeah, he has the words of eternal life. That's, right. Uh, yeah. Okay. So we so, don't have the tangible signs themselves, but we have these eyewitness accounts that are recorded for us. Um, but let's talk a little bit more about tangible signs and the role of the Christian life. We have some other verses here. Um, I think one of the temptations of Christians today is to seek for miracles to validate their faith. And um, these are often tied to either like physical places or like uh, we talk about like relics in some Christian traditions, like uh, some, in some sense, these things having like a special, almost like power to like channel God's healing mercies in specific ways. I'm, and that's something that people really look for and value in some Christian circles. Yeah, and it's, it's, they look, to be careful what I'm saying here, they look for God where he has not promised to be. Hmm. And I don't mean, I don't mean that God isn't there. I don't mean it that way. They, they look to find God in a way that God hasn't promised to use. Hmm. Um, you talk about the atheists who wish that it were written in the sky that, you know, Jesus is God or something like that. But the, 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 the heavens declare God's glory. Mm-hmm. He doesn't, one of my professors said, yeah, you guys, you get your Christian calendars and it's got a beautiful nature scene. And then you have a little Bible verse at the bottom of the calendar said, uh, you know, creation stands on its own. Mm. It doesn't need the Bible verse to validate it. Mm. Right. Yeah. It, it, which is an interesting concept. I mean, and it, but it is nice to have the Bible verse. Don't get me wrong. Right. But right. he was, but he was saying that creation speaks about the glory of God. Right. 
God's Word does too. So from nature, we get general knowledge about God or the existence of a God. If you think about how your brain works, or your eyes work, the, the way your hand works, things like that, the, the, all the, you know, the mental capacities that, that we have, that talks about a creator. Mm-hmm. But it, it doesn't give a specific knowledge about our triune God. Right. And it doesn't give a specific knowledge about salvation. Right. Okay, so um, w- men are really without excuse. Mm-hmm. If they, if they say, well, there's no God, prove, prove to me there's a God. Well, all creation screams there's a creator. Right. Yeah, and it's right. naive to think that this is an accident. Right. Let, let's perhaps talk about um, some Christians who might believe that miracles are required as like a validation for their faith uh, or something that affirms it. So, for instance, um, there's some Christians who practice like speaking in tongues in their services, and, and they, they see that as like an essential part of the Christian walk, that these miracles are almost like a necessary affirmation of uh, their own faith. And um, we have some other scripture up here to look at as well, because uh, there are people who also look to different like healing miracles and whatnot to validate their faith. Right. And to be very careful, you know, people can, can get disappointed when those miracles or don't happen or when they're not given a specific gift or something, mm-hmm. they can be disappointed by that. And, and, and that's, that's too bad. Mm-hmm. It's sad. We don't want people to feel that God has let them down. I mean, I had a long conversation with someone many years ago that I'd brought into the church through instruction and he met with me and he said, well, you know, all these things are happening in my life and I, God isn't there helping me out. And, you know, he kind of felt, he was so disappointed that it was destroying his faith. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we we have to remember what God promises, and then again how He gives us that promise. Right. Okay. No, no, that's a great point because there are some tangible things that God ties His promises to, uh, right. and right. So we're we're thinking that sacraments here, things like baptism, tying His word with water, and um, the Lord's Supper, as well. But he hasn't promised us any specific miracles outside of these means of grace, right? We shouldn't look to those as required affirmations of our faith. Right. So it's that, you know, Father Abraham sends someone to you know, send him back to talk to my brother. No, they have the word. They have Moses. They have the prophets. So Romans ten seventeen says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And that's how God chooses to to give us faith. That's his, his means of grace, whether it's the word alone or the word uh, connected with water or bread mm-hmm. and wine. That's the way God has chosen. So why is it that so many Christian people f- want more? Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. That's the question, right? Right. It, that is the question. And I think a lot of it does come down to just the same kind of sentiment that Thomas had. Uh, yes. Uh, you know, in theory, we should be believing in all these things, but sometimes we just want to see it for ourselves. And perhaps that's some sort of like sin or vice within us. It, I, it likely is. But um, Pastor, can we look at some of the other verses we have? So you like betcha. Acts 5. Um, because we do have some instances in Scripture where, this is even after the Ascension, uh, it seems that tangible signs are connected to physical things. Right. 
And so let's let's read this. Right, Acts 5, 12 to 16 says, Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Very interesting. And, and, so here you have signs and miracles, wonders, if you want to call it that, that even Peter's shadow, because it says they were all healed. So God, you know, it, it's, it's like God is bursting at the gates. He wants to get the message out. He wants to convince people that the message the apostles are, are carrying and, and relating is true. Right. So he, he's proving it with signs that point to the, the truthfulness of, of their message. Right. And that maybe that's, that's the whole point of it, isn't it? The signs point to the truthfulness of the message. Right. The, the signs in and of themselves are there to validate what's being said. Right. Right. Exactly. Okay. Um, let's look at another similar instance in Acts 19, if we have yeah, this that one, here. This one's kind of weird, actually, if we, if we can say that about biblical text. Acts 19, <laughs> 11 to 12. Yes, we can. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Okay, this is great, because I, I think this is more closely related to some of the tangible signs that people look for today. Today. So so when we talk about things like relics, so things like um, possessions that used to belong to people who we now call saints, or just particularly holy men in the past, or even um, in, uh, in Montreal, uh, I visited St. Joseph's Oratory, and they have a room there that's full of like crutches and canes of people who had been allegedly healed at that site by doing something or another. I don't know if it's saying a prayer or I'm not sure what the details are, but I, I think that's the temptation that a lot of Christians face today is seeking that sort of tangible sign to affirm their faith. So either whether that's associated with a relic or some specific location, uh, can you talk a bit about that? Because this is appears to be one instance in scripture where uh, perhaps God's healing power is in some way tied to some tangible thing. Yeah, it, it, it is. <laughs> I mean, that had touched his skin, were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. So, okay, first off, God can do whatever he wants to. That we have to bear in mind. Now, the question is, does God promise to continue to do things like this? So when people come to me and they talk about some things that, you know, maybe were a bit miraculous, you know, that's great. Hmm. God can do that. But don't don't rest your faith on that. Right. Okay, okay so, so we're not saying like dogmatically that these things don't still happen. Because there are Christians who say that as well, right? That, that all miracles after the apostles' ministry have ceased. We, we just don't see that anymore. Yeah, to touch on a very timely and sensitive topic, um, a Christian doctor needed to perform an abortion on a woman 
because the woman would die if he didn't do it. Mm. And I read the article and I said, okay, this is interesting. He prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed that God would see him through this, that he had to do that to save the mother's life. Otherwise, they both would die. Mm-hmm. So oddly enough, he prayed and prayed and prayed, gets into the surgery. There's no baby there. Hmm. The baby hmm. wasn't there. Wow. So he just looked at this as, you know, God delivering him and working a miracle. Hmm. Now, can God do that? <laughs> you betcha. <laughs> you know, with, without a doubt, God, God can deliver us from things and take care of us. And, uh, you know, that's one of those things where I think that one makes sense. <laughs> yeah. You know, that miracle makes sense. Uh, so we don't say that God stopped doing these things, but... But we also know that, and, and when, we, when we look at Scripture, we have to remember that sometimes things are described, mm-hmm. and here's a description of something that happened. Mm-hmm. Some things were told to do, and other things were told not to do. Now, there's no command that we are to take handkerchiefs or aprons and use them in this manner, mm-hmm. okay? This is an example of something that happened. It's a description uh, but there's no command to continue that, and there's no promise that that type of activity will continue. Mm. But mm. on the other hand, God can do what he wants to, when he wants to, how he wants to. And and maybe some of us who are a little more skeptical should be a little more open to the miraculous. And And sometimes the people who are seeking miracles all the time need to bury their face back in God's word, which says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Mm. There's probably there's probably a, a happy middle ground somewhere there. Yeah. Okay. You're probably right. Yeah. And now let me ask a slightly different question. So okay. we shouldn't dogmatically discount that these things happen. Uh, from a pastoral perspective, what would you just say to someone, perhaps in your congregation, who says, "Okay, pastor, I this weekend I'm going to go to Montreal, um, and I'm going to go to St. Joseph's Oratory. I'm going to say a prayer there, in hopes that." I'll be healed of whatever ailment I have. What would you say to someone like that? I, I would say to them that that's an interesting idea. And if they want to do that, there's nothing wrong with that. But then I would probably ask the question, do you, do you think that God can't heal you in Ottawa? Mm. <laughs> you know, it, I don't need, to, I don't need to go, you know, I don't need to go somewhere special to have God bless me or heal me if he's choosing to do that. Mm-hmm. So that would be my my concern is don't think that there's some something special about the place or that God's limited and that he can't work here in this town that you have to go to another one. That That's not our faith. Our faith is that God is everywhere and in him we move and breathe and have our being. Mm-hmm. So he can heal you here. He can heal you there. He, and then, of course, I give out a lot of medical advice. Okay, all the all the time. Okay, all right. It's, it's always the same medical advice, though. Okay, talk to your doctor. Mm. <laughs> okay, that's the medical. Talk to your family doctor. That's my medical advice, and and that's important medical advice, because I I don't want people to think that somehow receiving good medical care, uh, you know, God works through people. God works through means. Right. 
you know, I, I've had surgeries, uh, and I thank God for the, the skill of the surgeon. And that's, in my mind, God working through people for my benefit. And we don't need to travel somewhere, get all weird, or think that something odd is going to happen uh, when, you know, God can work where we are the, with the people around us and through the, you know, the blessings of, of family and pastors and brothers and sisters in Christ and doctors and police officers and all that stuff Right. that, you know, just <laughs> talking to my brother this morning, he said, yeah, people think the world is so terrible. You know, and the world's a bad place. And, and his comment was, uh, what's your option? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and, and things are so much better now than they've ever been as far as our standard of living and things like that. But people right. are still dissatisfied. So this gets to the heart of it, Will, that people always want more. Mm-hmm. That same brother says, it doesn't matter how much, some, how much money some people make, they, it's never enough. Mm-hmm. And I think for some people... Maybe they've seen a miracle or glimpsed a miracle or they want a miracle. They're never satisfied. Right. 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 And some of that, right. Some of that might be a forgetfulness of like, technically if you're in a Lutheran church on Sunday and you're taking communion, you're witnessing a miracle every Sunday, right? That's what we believe and confess. Yep. And so that's something that we ought to keep in mind as we're in church on Sunday, that these sorts of miracles aren't foreign to us, but it's interesting though, the, the sacraments, um, even though they are a miracle that we're witnessing, they don't have the same sort of visibility as some of these healing miracles that we've, we've talked about, right? Not There's flashy. still the element of faith involved in that. It's, it's not flashy, is it? Mm-hmm. It's water right? with God's word. It's bread and wine with God's word. The, the God's word is never alone. It's always accompanied by his Holy Spirit that, that works that miracle, the strengthening of the giving and strengthening of our faith. That's a miracle. Mm-hmm. The fact that we believe in God, that's a miracle wrought in us by the operation of the Holy Spirit through the word. But it's not flashy. Right. It's just, right. Where's, where's the sizzle? Where's the spark? <laughs> right. Yeah, right. It's not there. Okay, so okay. bottom line, if someone's seeking these things... If someone wants to go to Montreal and pray or what have you, not necessarily a sin. However, we need to make sure we avoid the temptation of looking for God's promises in a place where he ultimately hasn't promised them to us. Right. And and God may may well use that place in a special way. I don't I can't say he he won't or can't. Mm-hmm. But like you say, we need to look for God where he's promised to meet us. Okay. And that is word, sacrament, the gathering, where two or three are gathered in, in my name, there am I in the midst of them. That's where, you know, God has promised to be with us. Right, exactly. Okay. And that's ultimately where we should find our peace and hope yeah, and comfort. Yeah, and, but we're never satisfied. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, we're, we always want more. We always want, you know. And then the other thing that really gets a, a big problem here pastorally, you talk about what would happen if someone said to me they want to go to Montreal. Okay. So one thing that, that I deal with is, okay, just because you may not feel good or feel God's presence doesn't mean he's abandoned you. Mm-hmm. We confuse our emotional or physical well-being with our spiritual well-being. It's that, that who knows whether it's true or not story about Martin Luther moping around one day and, and his wife came down dressed in a, in a black dress and, and, and Luther said to Katie, who died? 
He said, well, I figured Jesus did by the way you're acting. <laughs> it's, we, we confuse our emotional ups and downs with spiritual ups and downs. And that, that I like to caution people about. No, that that's a really good point. And this is something I need to keep in mind. Like for instance, now that we have two children, uh, it's more easy to get distracted at the communion rail than it had been when it was just my wife and I, you know, yes. and sometimes I had gotten into the habit of thinking, Oh man, when I was receiving the Lord's supper in that one instance, I wasn't really focused on, the true presence in that moment. And I almost felt as if it would be like somehow less effective. Um, but this is, I think the exact temptation that you're, you're talking about, right? This idea that we sometimes uh, too strongly relate our personal feelings to our spiritual well-being, And this is something we would do well to keep in mind. Yeah. Because God's grace is present there given to you, even though you don't deserve it. Yeah. And we, we need to be prepared to receive the Lord's Supper. I'm not saying that. Right. But it doesn't. we don't somehow get more benefit out of it if we're feeling more pious or more focused at that moment. Right. That's, you know, yeah, we got to be careful. Right. God is a rock. God is this solid underpinning, and, and, and we're standing on solid, like, granite, okay? Mm-hmm. God is immovable. And, you know, we, we, we have to understand that that's— that that's our God who bleeds and dies for us. That's how much he loves us. That's our salvation. That's our hope. Not whether it's some bobbler bead or an emotional moment or whatever. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, we had a number of other things we were going to talk about tonight, but we're already at 33 minutes. So um, perhaps we can save uh, the casting lot stuff uh, for another time. But... Yeah. Yes. 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 How do we deal with Okay, I mean, that's a good topic. How do we deal with decision-making and ascertaining God's will and things like that? Right, right. There are other areas of the Christian life where we often look to physical signs or tangible signs, and um, decision-making is one of them. Yeah, so we okay. had planned to talk about casting lots and stuff like that, but we'll, we'll do that another time. Yeah, so, so stay tuned. No, yeah, so don't, don't complain about the pastor talking too much. That's what I'm paid to do. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just part of the, the reality of it, okay? Yep. You want to wrap it up? Do you have a... a colic for us this evening i do okay then let's uh, if you'd be so kind if you would pray sure lord god heavenly father we thank you that of your ineffable grace for the sake of your son you have given us the holy gospel and have instructed and instituted the holy sacraments that through the same we may have comfort and forgiveness of sin we implore you grant us your holy spirit that we may heartily believe your word and through the holy sacraments, day by day, establish our faith until, until we at last obtain salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Ghost, one true God, world without end. Amen. Amen. Oh,